Good morning, everyone. It is Wednesday, January 12th. It is 10.30 a.m., and it is good to be with you. Today, we are starting a new study. We are studying the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is the the last book of the Bible, the last book of the New Testament, and uh, it's got a lot of confusing things in it, and so we'll do our best to unpack those. And we are going to take our time with the book of Revelation. We are going to be studying Revelation for a while. And so today we're starting it and we're just doing the introduction. So you don't even need your Bibles today. You, you'll you need your Bibles going forward. You'll need them uh, next week and going forward. Uh, if you don't have them and you just want to listen, that's okay. Uh, I will do my best to uh, explain everything. But uh, so what we're doing is... Uh, on Tuesday nights, in person, we are having a Bible study on Revelation, and then Wednesday morning, I'm doing a recap of the nights the study before. So, uh, would love for if you're in town, would love to have you join us in person if you feel uh, comfortable with that. If not, would love to uh, just have you join me here. Uh, it's going to be a great study, and look forward to uh, look forward to doing this. So, if you are a member of Abiding Grace, and ask me to send you handouts. Uh, you should have gotten a handout last night. I sent an email out to the congregation saying, if you want handouts, uh, just send me an email and I will make sure that you get handouts. And uh, and so last night I sent out today's handout, which is just the introduction to the book of Revelation, and next week, which is the first half of the first chapter. If you didn't get a handout and you want one, just let me know. Um, you can send an email to nick at abidinggracedfw.org and... Um, Happy to send you the handouts every week so that you have them uh, in front of you as we go through uh, as we go through the study. So, for those of you who are joining live, good morning, and it's great to see you, and thank you for being here. And let's jump right in and let's get started. Introduction to the Book of Revelation. Uh, so, if you're a member of our church, Abiding Grace, you got an email yesterday that was kind of had a little bit of introduction introductory information. And in that, there uh, was four basic approaches people have used throughout the centuries to understand Revelation. So let me talk through those four real quick. Okay, there's what is known as the preterist view. I don't know what the word preterist means. That was a question last night. I don't know what it means, but I can tell you what the view means. Uh, basically, if you believe in the preterist view, you believe that Revelation doesn't predict anything. John is simply describing events of his current day but he put them in symbolic code so those outside the Christian church couldn't understand the critici- his criticism of the Roman government. So, in this view, the book of Revelation was written strictly for the first century, plain and simple. Okay. I would say this is probably one of the leading views among scholars, uh, the, leading, the leading approaches among scholars of how they view Revelation, and it's probably uh, flip-flopped for those who are studying it at a ch- the church level, uh, who aren't scholars who don't have PhDs and stuff, they probably look at this and say that, that that's, you know, the book of Revelation is talking about today. So, okay. Second view, the historicist view. Uh, so in this view, Revelation predicts the future, but the future of the church age, not the future of end time events. So Revelation is full of symbols that describe now in the church. So for example, Many of the reformers called the Pope the beast of Revelation chapter 13. The Pope, uh, Pope Leo X uh, in 1520, right? And then the Pope's, uh, so they believe that he was the, the beast 
uh, of Revelation in chapter 13. But uh, they didn't necessarily believe that the end was very near. So they believe Revelation spoke of their time without necessarily speaking to the end times. And I would say throughout all of his, Christian history, uh, people have looked at their current situation in the world and, and ascribed the beast to somebody who was living at that time. Certainly 80 years ago, it would have made sense for someone to say that Hitler was the beast, right? Uh, and so that would be the historicist view. The poetic view this approach believes that Revelation is a book full of pictures and symbols intended to encourage and comfort persecuted Christians um, in John's day. And so in this view, the poetic or allegorical, the book of Revelation isn't literal and it's not historic and it's a book of personal meaning. It's a book about your life and the ways in which God changes your life and the ways in which God wants you to live your life. Uh, and then the futurist view, which I think is probably the one that's most common, commonly seen today, uh, this approach believes that beginning with chapter 4, Revelation deals with the end times, the period directly preceding Jesus' return. And so um, someone asked last night, what do I mean when I say end times? What is end times? And, and really, it's, end times are the end of the world as we know it, right? According to REM. The, it's the end of the world as we know it. Uh, it's the time in which, so it, many times throughout Scripture, through the New Testament, Satan is referred to as uh, the prince of this world, the prince of the air, uh, all this stuff. That basically Satan has control in some way over the ways of the world. And so what's going to happen is Jesus is going to return and the kingdom of God is coming with Jesus. And so whenever that happens, whenever that switch happens from uh, Satan's power and authority to Jesus's, that's the end times. That's what we're referring to, the return, the, the right before the return or the return when Jesus comes. So that's what we talk about when the end times. So which approach is correct? Which approach is correct? That's the question. And, and really the answer is all of them, all of them. Um, each one is true in some regard. The book of Revelation did speak to John's day. There's no question. It also speaks to church history. There's no question about that. And it does have meaning for our personal life. And it speaks with some clarity about the end times. So you can use any one of those approaches or all of them to look at the, uh, uh, the book of Revelation. So as you look at the book of Revelation, uh, just look at it through those lenses, right? Look, have those four lenses there to see what, what is going on, what is going on. So I have to say this, though, needs to be said first and foremost this book is not intended to be used as a manual of secret information to enable us to predict the when and how of the end. It is not a manual of secret information to help us predict the end. Everyone who's ever tried to use it that way has been wrong. If we try to use it that way, we too will be wrong. Instead, the book of Revelation is intended to tell us about Jesus, to reveal Jesus to us. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Other translations say this is the revelation from Jesus Christ. But if Jesus is revealing something like this to us, then we have to believe that Jesus is Lord. If we read the book of Revelation and all we get is what's going to happen at the end and all the crazy things that are going to happen and all these crazy beasts, but miss Jesus, we've missed the point of the book of Revelation. 
the revelation, the book of Revelation is all about Jesus being Lord. It's, it's revealing to us who Jesus is. And that's the main point of it. Uh, the book of Revelation, it's important to know, is rooted in the Old Testament. There are um, uh, more than 500 allusions to the Old Testament in the book of Revelation. 278 of the 404 verses, almost 70% of the book of Revelation make some kind of reference to the Old Testament. So it is an Old Testament book. As we go through it, we are going to be going back to the Old Testament. Uh, and so it's important that we understand that. Uh, authorship, who wrote it? Well, John wrote it. John wrote the book of Revelation. And most evidence says that this is the Apostle John, the same writer of the Gospel of John in the books 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. And if you read the Gospel of John, you get the impression that John is and was Jesus's best friend. So we have an interesting, in, in chapter 1, where, where John sees Jesus. And, and this, is, uh, this is years later. And it's like, imagine seeing your best friend 50 years later and, and that moment. Uh, and so this is that John. And he writes this from the island of Patmos, which uh, was like an Alcatraz island for the Roman Empire. It was used as a prison island and functioned as a jail without bars. You were stuck on the island. And the island was rich in marble and had a marble quarry. And the prisoners, it was like a work camp. And all they did was mine marble. And so if you ever go to Rome or to Roman citizens and uh, you see all these beautiful marble places, that's most of it likely came from Patmos. Uh, and so, so John was a political exile sent there to die. What's interesting is all the other disciples died violent, gruesome deaths, but John was given the gift of, of long life, uh, but he was exiled to, uh, to, to Patmos to go there to die. Now, some scholars think that he was only there for a period of time. Then he was later on, he was allowed to go to Ephesus uh, where he grew into a very old man and died. Don't know for sure. Uh, the letter was originally addressed to seven churches of Asia, Asia. So this was the Roman province of Asia, not the, not the Asia of today, which is the Western part of modern day Turkey. So seven churches in uh, Western Turkey. Uh, it is a book of predictive prophecy. It's important that we, that we clarify this for a moment. Predictive prophecy. It speaks of things that will happen in the future, at least the future from the time of its writing. So you may say that, well, some of these things, there, there is a group who say, well, some of these things already came to pass, but at the time it was written, it was predicting something. Now the question is, has that something that is predicted already happened or is it going to happen still? Those will be part of the conversations that we have as we go through it. It's important to say, though, not all prophecy is predictive, right? This, this is clearly a predictive prophecy, but prophecy, the definition of prophecy is anytime you speak on behalf of God. And so there are times throughout Scripture, throughout the Old Testament, where the prophets would speak, and they wouldn't necessarily be predicting anything. They would just be speaking on behalf of God. And, and so Scripture is full of prophetic words that are just speaking on behalf of God, but aren't necessarily predicting the future. So this is actually a prophecy that predicts the future. Okay. Historical setting. When was it written? Okay. The book of Revelation was written somewhere between 81 to 96. 81 to 96. Uh, so if, if Jesus, we did, did this math last night, if Jesus started his ministry 
started calling his disciples around 30, 30 AD. Um, John, my, I would say probably at the at the youngest was probably 13 to 15. So, so if we put John's birth at 15 AD and we, we put the writing of this at 81 to 96, he's between 66 and 80 when he's writing this. Okay. So he is an older man. So he is on this marble quarry Island working at a most likely working in a marble quarry, uh, as an old man, but, uh, he's writing, uh, back then, um, jails didn't feed you and they didn't take care of you. You were just, so he had people there to take care of him that would send him stuff. And so that's probably how he got pen and parchment, uh, to, to write this down. So, okay. Domitian is the emperor of Rome. He's a moody, jealous, unpredictable tyrant who kills or imprisons anyone who he thinks is a threat to his reign. So, uh, but listen to this. He demanded to be addressed as divine Lord and God. Imagine that demanding other people address you as divine Lord or God. Uh, and, and he issued a decree that all citizens must worship him. Think about that. Uh, issued a decree that all citizens must worship him. In Western uh, Turkey, he builds a temple in which there's an eternal flame going and, and citizens were to come and cast a pinch of incense on the altar paying homage to Caesar as their God. And after doing that, they would receive a piece of paper stating that they'd worshiped with him, something that they would carry around so that they could show, hey, look, I got my worship in. I worshiped Caesar. And so I wonder, what would worship be like if it was demanded of us, if we didn't have a choice? What would it be like? It wouldn't be very worshipful at all, right? And 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 so... You know, I wonder how often we think of worship as something we have to do instead of something that we get to do. You know, when, whenever we come to worship, it's something that we get to do. It's, it's something that we're doing out of our own free will and, and how much different and how much more joyful it is because of that instead of have it being something that's demanded of us and that we, you know, it's almost like we're going to punch our card to say, yep, I did it. I'm good this week. Uh, just crazy. So, uh, we are going to run into symbols, a lot of symbolism in the book of Revelation. And so I'm just going to do my best now to give you a little bit of, 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 of some of those symbols and what they mean. Uh, we're going to see some animals. The lion, the lion is Christ. Uh, the lamb, the lamb is also Christ. We, John has a long history of referring to Jesus as the lamb in First, uh, or the Gospel of John, the first time John encounters John the Baptist. John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so for, G for John, Jesus is the Lamb. But so, so we have this image of the lion and the lamb, right? Uh, you know, the, where the lion will lay down with the lamb. And in Revelation, Jesus is the lion and the lamb. So pretty cool. Uh, four horsemen. Uh, we're going to get to talk about the four horsemen. That's war, famine, civil strife, and plague. So the four horsemen are the horsemen that you know go throughout the world and make the world um, not a great place. Uh, we have riders on the white horse. Uh, the, the riders on the white horse, that is the word of God. We have a dragon. A dragon. Uh, occasionally I like to play a game with uh, uh, some of our folks here at church. And, and it's, is it a Bible study? I'm sorry, is it a Bible verse or not? And I'll read verses and I'll say, is that in the Bible or not? 
And, and I always use the verse from uh, Revelation that talks about the dragon. And then I always talk about the, uh, the, the, the quote from the Hobbit talking about the dragon. Which one is scripture and which one isn't? Well, in Revelation, the dragon is Satan. Uh, there's also a beast. The beast is uh, the emperor who demands divine honor. Uh, throughout all of history, this is one where people have referred to the beast as being different people. Uh, I know that in the 1980s, some people believe that the beast, some people claimed, I would say that they had no scholarly, well, some people claim that Ronald Reagan was the beast because uh, Ronald Wilson Reagan, six letters, six letters, six letters. Uh, so um, I, I don't think anyone actually bought into that, uh, but there were people who said that. There is a beast with seven heads, and we'll talk more about that when we get to that. I know a friend of mine who believes that, uh, you know, part of the Soviet Union was one of these beasts. Uh, uh, but, but what most scholars think that the, the beasts with the seven heads are the Roman emperors. Uh, so we'll get to that when we talk about, uh, we'll talk more about that when we get to that. Uh, numbers. There's a lot of numbers in the book of Revelation. And just a little bit about the background of, of some of these numbers. Three is good. Three is God, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three. Four is the earth. The earth, the, you have four elements, uh, uh, four compass points, north, south, east, west, four seasons, and, uh, and so four equals earth. Seven, then, is perfection. Seven days of creation. Seven is the number of God. Seven is the number of perfection. And when you add three plus four, God plus the earth, you get perfection. Uh, we have um, 24 elders. We're going to run into 24 elders. Uh, that is the Old and New Testament leaders. Um, and then we have, we're going to see the number 40. 40 equals a long period of time. And so if it's 40 years, basically what the Bible is saying is a generation, a generation of people. If it's 40 days, you know, Noah, uh, it rained 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. It's a long period of time, basically. Today, we would probably say, well, that's like a month, right? Uh, obviously, 40 days is a little longer than a month, but they didn't have the same calendar we did back then. But um, Okay, so the number six. Number six is imperfection or evil. And the number 666 is the ultimate evil. And so uh, you see you know, 666 uh, around and used in different places. Uh, but it's actually, uh, and um, we're going to talk more about this when we get to it, but the number equals the sum of Hebrew letters for Nero. So every Hebrew letter had a numeric value to it. And if you didn't added up all the numeric uh, values for Nero, you got 666. So we'll talk more about that when we get to that. Now, some interesting things here. 1,000 equals infinity or eternity. Infinity or eternity. So if you talk about eternity... For a sec, uh, they didn't really have the understanding or the word for eternity, eternal, that we do now. And so instead of instead of saying eternity, they would talk about a thousand years. It'd be a thousand years. Uh, and so Jesus at times would say ages upon ages. And so what I'm thinking he's meaning is a thousand years upon a thousand years upon a thousand years. Uh, a long time, right? And so also means infinity, meaning that you know, when you say you have a thousand of something, it means you have a, a, a an infinite amount of them. Uh, so this is, you know, 2,000 years ago, a thousand of something meant a lot. So um, if so, if we think then through that lens, 
the book of Revelation says that there will be 144,000 saved. I don't know if you've ever read that before and uh, if you've ever wondered what that means. What does it mean that 144,000 will be saved? Well, okay, you have 12 tribes of old Israel, 12 tribes of the old covenant. You have 12 apostles of new Israel or in the new covenant. So 12 times 12 is 144, okay? And then you have 144 times 1,000, 1,000, which is an infinite amount of believers to come. And so when you take 144, you times that by 1,000, you get 144,000 saved. I think what some people have done, have taken that number to say, heaven is capped at 144,000 people. If you're not in the first 144,000, you're out of luck. I think what it's meant to say is that there's going to be an infinite amount of believers to come. God is not going to cap heaven. And if God does, he hasn't told us that. God hasn't said to us, this is the, this is the number that the capacity of heaven. And once we get past there, we're done. So uh, 144,000 basically means that there's going to be way more than you could ever think. Heaven is going to be full and God's going to do what God wants to do. Okay. Um, finally, uh, people, places, and things. Okay. So there's all kind of imagery for, um, for in numbers and animals, and now there also is imagery for people, places, and things. So there's seven lampstands, which we're going to talk about in Revelation chapter one. And it's, the lampstands are the church universal. It's the church, the Christian church all over the world. The seven stars, Jesus will be, talk, there'll be seven stars that Jesus will be holding. Those are the angels or the spiritual leaders of the church. And so again, we'll talk more about that when we get there. We're going to encounter a scroll, which is the unfolding purpose or plan of God. Uh, the plan and purpose of God continues to unfold. It is not complete. God is still up to work, up to something working in the midst of our world today. We're going to have uh, Egypt and Sodom is the, an image for corruption of the modern world and culture. So when we talk about the end times, what does that mean? It means the end of the modern world, the, the end of the evil modern world and culture, right? the corrupted world, the corrupted culture. When Jesus returns, uh, the end times, what we're talking about is the coming of the kingdom and uh, the, the world reflecting the way that, that, that is in, um, that's consistent with the way God wants it to be. Uh, when we see Babylon, talking about Rome, uh, the great harlot is the evil community of the beast. Remember, the beast is um, uh, the uh, emperor who demands divine honor. And, and so the harlot is the evil community then who, who supports the beast. Michael is uh, the chief angel of God in battle with evil. So we'll talk about Michael uh, uh, later on. And then uh, we're going to have a strange reference to the woman clothed with the sun. And that is uh, the people of God from whom the Messiah comes. So the people of Israel. So that is our introduction to Revelation. And um, if you got the handout, I just encourage you to keep it. Uh, keep it close. Maybe fold it and put it in your Bible. Because uh, as we go through Revelation, there'll be times where we're going to go back to this. Uh, where, or you might be reading on your own and you might read one of these numbers. Or you might read one of these images and, and forget what it means. So if you hold on to this. Uh, it'll be helpful with you as we go through Revelation. So I am very excited to do this. I'm excited to go through Revelation. Uh, 
and it, we're going to take our time with it. We're going to read. Um, if you're with, if you're here at the Tuesday night Bible study, we're going to read through the whole thing. We're going to go through the whole thing. We're going to answer the questions as best of our ability as they come up. And, uh, and then we're just going to summarize them here on Wednesday mornings. And, uh, my guess is it'll take 20 to 30 minutes. So also these are being recorded and posted on the grace abides podcast and uh, also on the no shortage of questions podcast. So, uh, those will be available in podcast form. If you'd rather uh, listen to them while you drive into work or drive home from work or whatever you might be doing. So thank you so much for listening, for joining me today. Pray that you all stay safe uh, and we'll close with a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for revealing yourself to us. We thank you for letting us know that you have come to, to love us and to be with us and to encourage us and strengthen us. And Lord, as we study this book of Revelation, if we don't understand things, Lord, let, let us be okay with that. Uh, but let us understand, most importantly, that you are Lord and that you are with us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, take good care of yourselves, and I will see you next week.